Good morning, City Life. Happy New Year, City Life. I hope that this weekend was a celebration of a big accomplishment getting through 2020. There were times in that year where I was not so sure we we're all going to make it, but we're here. God is with us. He has been good. Happy New Year to each and every single one of you. We love you. We long to be together. Of course, we miss you. Our celebration on Wednesday was so great, but it also just reminds me that it's just better when we're together. But Happy New Year. We love you. Can't wait for you to be, to, for us to be together again. And if I haven't met you yet, my name is Pedro Reese, and I am the lead pastor here at City Life, where we're passionate about telling Jesus' story, encountering him, being family with one another, welcoming and, and being for our city here in Jersey City. And 2020, we're going to be doing that like never before. We're on a pace that hopefully we haven't done yet uh, because we love God, we love this city, and we just feel called to be together with Jesus for our city. And so let's start with this story. First sermon of the year. What big picture are we going to be focusing on this year, at least in part, whenever we walk with Jesus? And I want to start with this story that I was told once. So the story goes that a father looks at his son one day and he said, son, I'm going to take you to see grandpa today. We're going to go see grandpa. And because the son loved his grandpa, he got so excited. He was so happy. It was going to be the highlight of the day. I'm going to see my grandpa today. My dad is going to take me and it's going to be great. I'm going to be with this man that I love. And so the dad says, okay, let's get ready. Let's go out. They put on their coats. They leave the door. And all of a sudden, the dad goes in the opposite direction of grandpa's house. And the son gets uh, curious and frustrated. He's like, dad, I thought we were going to see grandpa. He said, oh, we have to go somewhere first. Don't worry. I know where we're going. And so the son walks because what can he do? Dad's going to take him where he's going to take him. And they go to a bakery and they go pick out some cakes because they're going to celebrate a holiday. Let's make it New Year's. And then they go, they go to the bakery. The dad says, okay, son, take my hand. We're going to go. And they go. And instead of going in the direction towards grandpa's house, again, the father takes the opposite turn and he goes off and the son is irritated. He's frustrated. He said, dad, I thought you were going to take me to see grandpa. And the dad says, don't worry, I will. He reassures him, reaffirms him. We're going to go see grandpa. Don't worry. First, we got to go to the post office. So they go to the post office. The son irritated at this point because he wants to see his grandfather so bad. And then they go and they mail out their letters, they get their package, they do whatever they need to do. The father gets the son by the hand and says, son, let's go, we're going to go right now. And so they go, leave the door, and they go again in the opposite direction of grandpa's house. And at this point, the son has lost his patience, like, dad, we're going to go see grandpa. I thought, you said that, why would you lie to me? Why are you doing this? And let's go see grandpa. This kid is apparently a very impatient kid. But he said, I want to see my grandpa. And he says, don't worry, son. I know where we're going. I know where grandpa is. Don't worry. Trust me. And so they go and they're walking. And the son starts to recognize where they're at. And they're going towards his aunt's house. But he's just frustrated. He doesn't want to see his aunt. He wants to see his grandpa. And they open the door. And the first person the son sees is his grandfather. And all of the joy in the world comes rushing back into this little boy as he runs into his father's arm. And I love this story because it's a reminder for all of us that in life, that we take God's hand, our heavenly father's hand, and we say, Lord, uh, you guide us. You know where we're going. You know the destination. You know where you're taking me. 
I know that you're faithful. By now, I know that you're trustworthy. I know that you are, when you tell me something, you're going to see it through. I know that when you promise me something, it's going to come true. I know that you have all the victory, and so I know that you're trustworthy. And we as people, you know, we crave control over our lives so much, especially in this area of the country and really the world. We crave every ounce of control over our lives. And whenever anything goes askew, we throw our hands up in the air. We act like this child and say, Lord, I thought you had promised me all these things. The second we lose semblance of control or the illusion of control, and then we question and we forget that we're really called to submit and to trust. Last year, we began the first sermon of the year talking about Abraham, looking at his story, because Abraham is so great because what God taught Abraham is what he taught in the very beginning of his movement and creation. And so if he was teaching Abraham something, it applies to all of us because that was the beginning. We, we, looked, we looked at how in Genesis 22 last year, we looked at how God called Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac and how that was really a lesson. It was a lesson about a lot of things, but at the core, at the heart of it, it was God was teaching his people, his, heaven, his family, that God is the one who sees, and we as his people, as his creation, our primary call is to listen. God is the one who sees. He can see where we're going. He knows where all of history, where all of creation is going. He knows when everything will be accomplished and his plan will come into full fruition, he can see all of that. And so only he is capable to guide us, to take us by the hand like that son and that father and guide us exactly where we need to go. Though we take this turn that we were not expecting, but God, we say, God, you know where you're taking me. You know where all of this is going. And so I trust you. And then we, 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 surprisingly learned that lesson in a very unique way this past year that God when we are when we are listening to him can lead us through anything that he sees God is the one who always sees and we are the ones called to listen to him and so for the first sermon of this year what big picture can we hold on to and say Lord I want to learn this in such a vulnerable intimate such a life-changing, a soul-building way this year? What am I going to begin doing this on the first Sunday of the year that I will focus on every day of the year and every, honestly, every day of my life from here on out? How are you speaking? What are you telling me about this year? And so I'm going to go back to Abraham's story. We're going to be in Genesis 15, learning about another lesson about how our God is so trustworthy through all of life's circumstances. So we'll be reading a couple of passage, of verses in, in Genesis 15. But first, let me pray. Let me pray as we enter into the first reading of the word for the year, that we do it together, that we do it in submission to the Holy Spirit and what he's trying to teach us and guide us in this year. Because in everything, remember, God is the one who sees and we listen. And so what is he saying to us through his word? So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for seeing us through this past year. We thank you for taking us as a church, as your people globally, as individuals. You took us by the hand. 
and you led us through every moment of last year. We know that you've done that every moment, every breath, every second of our lives, Lord, but we saw it a little differently this past year. And so what are you doing today? What are you starting today, January 3rd, 2021? That will be the next phase of this lesson for us. Lord, I pray that you do something powerful in this year, in our church, in our congregation, in our hearts and in our souls, Lord, to prepare us to know you better and to be on mission for you better. Lord, teach us about how to trust you. You are trustworthy. And so, Holy Spirit, we give you uh, access to all of our hearts, our souls, our apartments, our homes, Lord, everywhere that we're at listening to this. We say, do your will. We say, speak to us and teach us and build us up. We believe in you. We submit to you. And so, Lord, what are you telling us uh, about Abraham once again, of how to orient this entire year for your glory? Lord, we pray, I pray all these things in Jesus' holy name, Jesus' unmatched name. Amen. So we're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 15. Last year, we started the year in Genesis 22, but this year we're rolling it back a bit and going back to chapter 15. We're going to be reading two sets of verses here, verses 1 through 6 and then 17 and 18. And God's word says this. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. He brought him out and he brought him outside and said, look towards the heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Verse 17. When the sun had gone down and it was dark. Behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I shall give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. Amen, church. I, I, I love where we are starting this year. I love going back to Abraham, like I said, here at this point, we see that Abram is still has the name Abraham. Abram, God has not given him his name. And I love going back to Abram because really God is, whatever God does in Abraham's life, Abram's life echoes throughout this entire family, entire, God's entire family. Because here, Abram is really the, the original. He's the OG God follower in some ways. And it's even in his name. Abram means father. And Abraham effectively means big daddy. And so really he's the OG of all of this story, this narrative that God's been telling us about, you know, in some ways. This is when God starts to take this fam- this one man, this one wife, 
and starts building a, a people, a nation, a family. And I, and I love turning to his story because, like I said, this is where everything begins. And so whatever God teaches Abraham, he's teaching it to me, he's teaching it to you. And I really believe that one of the biggest reoccurring, I would say, maybe even the biggest lesson that God instilled in Abraham or in Abram was trust. That God over and over and over again worked in Abram, Abraham's life to produce a man that trusted him. God, Abram by no means was ever perfect. You will never hear me say that. He was messed up quite frequently, like all of us do and would. But in Abram and Abraham, we see a man who repeatedly heard what the Lord said and did it. Not perfectly, but did it. And Genesis chapter 15 is a beautiful example of this trust that God was building in this in his son's life. And so I also, by the way, I, let's just take a moment here and reiterate again. I pray that this sermon is a sermon that we grab onto. Even if it doesn't speak to you now, I pray that at some point in the year, the Holy Spirit will bring it back to mind. When life gets tough, when we start to question God's trustworthiness or his faithfulness to us as a people, and we allow the Holy Spirit to bring this back to mind exactly when we need it to. Exactly when trusting in the Lord seems like the hardest thing to do. Because we're going to start the year talking about trust because God has more than earned our trust. And so let's break down this passage here and see how God has caused us to trust Him. By first, we're talking about God's promises are good. Back in chapter 12, God called this one man to leave his land, to leave his family, to leave his houses, and to go to a land that God was going to show him. This man was Abram. Again, reinforcing that, that God will cause Abram to see. Abram alone can't see, and so go wherever I'm telling you to go, because that's where you need to be. And he says, if you do this, if you go, and if you go where I tell you, I'm gonna, he, God promises him great things. He said, I'll make you into a great nation. I'll make you a blessing. I'll make your name great. And you know what? In fact, everyone in this world who knows you will be blessed. And everyone who blesses you will themselves be blessed. And anyone who curses you, God says, I will curse them. That's how serious he was with this one man and this one family, this new thing that God was doing in, in, in all of creation. And God starts this story of, of him telling us that we are his family and he's doing everything he can to build up his family, bring his family back to him. And so through one man and one wife, God's starting to, to bring about his family. And Abram, again, he is never perfect. He messes up all the time, messes up in very unique ways with his wife especially. But we see a man who when God speaks to him, he listens and he goes after what he's been told to do. And so Abram leaves his family, he goes and after some time, he reaches this point in his, in his walk with Jesus. And he's like, well, okay, Lord, I've left my house, but there's, there's, there's one little problem here. You know, you promised me an heir and I kind of don't have one. It's like, you know, Eliezer, that guy from Damascus, he's going to inherit me as a tribesman. I have all these people. I have all these resources with me. 
and he's going to inherit everything, but you told me I would have a son, and so how is this going to happen? I love how Abram had this relationship with the Lord, that once God interrupted his life, this relationship became central to what he did. I, when I, where I grew up, there was this McDonald's not too far from my house, and every Saturday morning there was this group of old veterans that would go there and have McDonald's breakfast together and chat for hours. Whenever we were lucky enough to go to McDonald's for breakfast as an adventure, we would see this group of men here just reminiscing and being together and talking, and the, the stories I imagine that they would have to tell one another were great. And so I picture that between Abram and, and God and just talking to him and having this back and forth. We see such a dialogue here in the story. This seems like two old men because Abram was already old at this point. That was the concern of, Lord, I have no kids. And these two friends, this master and his servant were talking with one another. And in this, God does something beautiful. He ta in talking with Abram, his servant, this man that he wants to be the father of his family, he both reaffirms the promise and reassures the person. Let's read verses 4 and 5 together. I, I, I love how gentle, how loving, how this is like paints God as a good father here. Verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. And then he said, So shall your offspring be. The first thing for this year that we need to remember is that when God promises something, it's a good promise. That he promised good things to his servant that he's not tricking him, that he's not lying to him, that he's not leading him to a bad destination, but that God's destinations are always good. You know, along the way, along this life, along this journey that we all have with the Lord, there's going to be pain. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be doubt. There's going to be drought. Seasons where we're like, Lord, where are you? I don't even feel you. But we can always tell ourselves down to our very hearts that God's promises are always good and he is always faithful. And so, just like Abram here in verse 6, he believed the Lord. I just love how simple and elegant that is. Abram just believed the Lord. It wasn't something like, oh, just word, okay, I believe you, Lord, without doing no. But God knows the heart and he saw that Abram believed him and it was counted to him as righteousness. And I love how this speaks to you and to me that our Heavenly Father looks at us this way and He wants us to really trust Him with our hearts because He has been faithful to us all along. And so we remind ourselves that God's promises are always good. That just like the Father from the story, He knows where He's taking us. It's a good place, a good place that we could not even imagine of good promises. And so remind ourselves when we cannot trust in the when we do not want to trust in the Lord, to wrestle with ourselves and say, God has always been faithful to me, and so I will remain trusting in him. That God has something very real to say to us in our struggle about holding on to him, because there's no better place for us to be than being led by him, taking his hand and letting him lead the way. And then so from here, from God's promises being good, we need to talk about how God's instructions are always 
faithful. This here, these, this middle portion of this chapter here is so strange to us modern readers. We, we read and we're like, Lord, what in the world are you doing here? But it was so significant for Abram, for people in his day. This, this, we won't read the whole thing, but this is what God says. He, he, he tells him, he gives him some instructions from here. And God knows that, you know, sometimes we need more than just talking. Even though Abraham was a responsive follower of him, he, he, God wanted to do something more to show that he was faithful and trustworthy. And so he tells him, you know what, this is, this is what I need. I wrote this down here. A couple things. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five things. I need you to go, Abraham, Abram, I need you to go and get a three-year-old heifer. And then I need you to go and get a three-year-old goat. And then I need you to go and get a three-year-old ram. And on top of that, just throw in a turtle dove and a young pigeon. He has to be young. Find a young one. And then he says, you know what? Cut them in half. And this is already sounding like the weirdest turducken that we could ever put together. It says, cut them in half and lay them leaning on one another. And then God starts to talk to him. He starts to talk to them about the oppression that his family down the line is going to face in Egypt. You know, giving him foreshadow of what would happen to them as slaves in Egypt. Telling him, you know what, life, life has, it's going to be difficult. It's not always going to be easy. Just because you follow me, just because I've told you I'm going to make you a blessing, that the whole world will be made, will be blessed through you and your offspring, it's still going to be difficult. So you're going to need me. Stay close to me. So for 400 years, your family is going to suffer. They're going to be slaves in Egypt. But then after that four years, because I'm God, because I know the destination that I'm bringing my family towards, when those 400 years are done, when it's time for me to bring judgment, I'm going to come, and not only are you going to leave, but you're going to leave wealthy. That the pain and the suffering, and, and whenever we suffer according to God's plan, it's not just wasted, it's not just years that we forget about, but that God is able somehow to redeem and heal and bring good things out of those things. Not only would they just leave Egypt, but they're going to leave better than they came ready for what's next. But then the strangeness continues to grow and then a sleep, a deep sleep came on Abram. And then something so strange happened. Let's read verse 17. Verse 17 says, When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces, these pieces. And for us, okay, like this is when we tap out, Lord, this is getting a little too weird. I have no idea what you're doing. But here God was making a promise, an everlasting promise to Abram and his family. See, in, in their day, they would set up these, they would butcher these animals, set this up here, put them on either side, sometimes leaning up or sometimes just flat on the ground. And the covenant was this. The person who walked in between these dead carcasses, this is what they were saying. They were saying, may death come after me, may death swallow me up before I break my promise to you. Now God, God took his son, he said, took him outside and he said, look up. Look at all the stars, that's how many kids you're going to have. That's how many people will be blessed through you. That is your legacy, that all of this will come out of you and your wife. 
And then, but not only did God just promise that he did this covenant, he said, okay, go get me the ingredients, go follow my instructions, bring me all of these animals, and then I'm going to make you fall asleep. You won't even be able to make this covenant yourself, but I, I'm going to personally do it. So God comes down here in the form of this smoking fire pot and the flaming torch that has so much significance, but we just can't get to today. And God is effectively here. He, what he's saying is, you know what, may death come to me, God the creator of everything. May death come to me before I break any promise I've ever made to you. One of the significant, beautiful things about this is that God, God, God is saying, let death come after me if I ever break my promise to you, as if God could ever be killed. But yet he's foreshadowing here what he would do to, for us to bring back his family in the life of Jesus. But for here, let's stick with Abraham and say, God, this is God's promise to you. I'm God. I'm the everlasting God. Nothing is ever going to come in between this promise that I made with you. And so here, God's saying that whenever he tells us to do something, what he was teaching Abram in his life, what he was teaching him over and over and over again is when I speak, it's going to come true and I only have good things for you, so do what I say. And then when I give you instructions, do what I'm telling you to do because it is the better thing for you to do. Don't break this covenant, you know why? Because I myself have made it with you. I love how God didn't let Abram walk through that covenant space. He didn't let him walk through the carcasses because God was saying, you know what, I'm going to do. This is my promise to you. You can't fulfill this, but I can fulfill it for you. And so here we see that even all the way back through Abram, God's instructions are faithful. Faithful to accomplish his good promises for you and for me. And that God always leads us into this promise. It's his promise to us. And so nothing can change it or get in the way or nothing can eradicate. Even when we have these periods of conflict, of doubt, of pain God is still there saying you know what I I am still capable I'm still able to be good and lead you by the hand to where you need to go so let's talk about our last thing here let's talk about the last one of the most beautiful things I believe in all of scripture and we're calling it trust between two rivers I know that this sounds a lot like between two ferns it has nothing to do with that. Let's read verse 18 here really quick. I, and I absolutely love this. This is 100% a nerdy nugget that I think changes one of the ways you can read all of Scripture. Verse 18. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. And so City Life, let's hear this. I pray that if you remember nothing else from today, you remember this, between that trust between two rivers. That when God promises things to us, he's good and faithful, that he's trustworthy to see it through. That when he gives us instructions, it's for a reason. It's not just to make us look silly, but it's for bringing us closer to him or teaching us something, making us stronger, making us more able to know him and be known by him that his instructions are never just pointless but they're always doing something and then for us as a church and as individuals we know god has given us a promise that we are his people he's given us a mission of what to do here in jersey city to follow it out to let people know about him 
But then where do we do in between and all of this living out? From now, when we begin this journey to the moment that we meet him, what does this, where is this lived out of? And once again, God's teaching Abram that it's lived out of trust, a place of trust, a relationship of trust. And, and this is how, you know, because you know that God had his fingers on everything. He put everyone in the, in the exact time that they've lived, and he set up everything down to the last detail. And God is even in geography, which is something that I don't think many of us have ever thought about, but God is all over geography. And this is what he's saying here. He's saying, you know what? Your family is going to come out of here. This is my covenant to you that your family is going to belong to me and that they need, they need to every day live out of a place of trust with me. And I'm going to teach them that, a practical way I'm going to teach them that is I'm going to put them in between Egypt and the Euphrates. The two greatest centers of civilization in the ancient world, in this part of the world. And this is what he was saying, you know what, the Nile. Denial was always so predictable. It flooded exactly at this time, and it produced crops at this time. Every year, like clockwork, the Nile worked, and so it was a place of great stability, and it was a, great, a place of great life. You could count to the day when to plant your crops here, when this place is going to flood. Every year, predictable. But God said, you know what? You're not going to benefit from the Nile. This great society that came out of the Nile in Egypt, you know, you're not going to benefit from them. I'm going to keep you far enough away that you can't trust in Egypt. You can't trust in this river. And then he said, you know what, the Euphrates up north, which the Tigris and Euphrates, one of the biggest birthing places of civilization, so many powerful and great, strong, powerful civilizations came out of the Tigris and Euphrates. And this is why, because the Tigris and the Euphrates were wild rivers. They flooded whenever they wanted to. They were powerful. They had so much volume and water. It was not tameable. These rivers, not like the Nile, it was not tameable. It was not friendly. And so their gods were always hectic and chaotic and strong and powerful. Marduk was one of their main gods. And he was just this outstandingly strong being and you know what God was saying? So you know what? You, you can't rely on power. You can't look up to the north. You can't rely on the life that you see up there. You can't rely on power. You're not going to be able to do this by might. You're not going to be able to be strong enough for yourself or for this country or for my family. You know what? Life is going to touch you. You're not going to be out of reach of people. They're, people are going to touch you. They're going to hurt you. They're going to wound you. But are you going to live this place out of trust? And so he's looking at the Nile. He's saying, you know, I'm putting my people in between the Nile. I'm putting them in between the Euphrates and the Tigris River up to the north. You know why? Because every day Israel was supposed to trust and lean on their God. To take him by the hand and say, God, you're the one who sees. So I need you to see me through this. You know, God, I'm not going to be able to predict everything like the Nile. I'm not going to be able to order every day of my life. Things are going to be unpredictable at times. I'm not going to have the foresight to see everything, but you are my good father. You take me by the hand. But you know what? Also, I'm not going to always be powerful enough. I'm not going to be strong enough in every season to defeat my enemies, to be smarter, faster, bigger. I'm not going to be able to... Israel wouldn't be able to do this by military might. Is I'm going to take you by the hand and say, Lord, 
you've made me good promises. I don't, Abram did not know how this promise was going to be filled. He's here saying, Lord, you promised me one thing. I haven't had it yet. What's going on? I'm an old man already. I don't have this one heir that you've told me. Everything hinges on this one part of the plan and you haven't done it yet. So what's going on? But Lord said, you know, I'm your father. I'm going to take you by the hand. You're only going to get to this promise by me leading you. So don't trust in your own ability, your own capability. Don't trust in everything outside, in anything outside of me, because you need to take me by the hand. I'm going to put you in this place on the earth that is pretty hard to live in, except for living in near Ga on the Galilee is hard to live in Israel. And he did it on purpose because he's saying, you know what, you're going to trust me everywhere that you go. That God is saying, you know, I've made this covenant with you. And so I'm going to see it through. So let's, let's conclude this a bit. Let's tie this up a little bit more neatly and see how this is speaking to us this year. I love how God has set up his story. How in the beginning, when he was starting to build his family through an old man and an old woman, he, he picked this circumstance to say, you know what, everything about this life is if you trust me. If, if I'm in control, my promises are going to come. If you trust in me to, to see that promise through, and if you take me by the hand and don't rely on anything that you can do, don't rely on your own talents, your skills, but if you rely on me to multiply everything in your life to give you exactly what you need, then all of these amazing things are going to happen. And so it causes me to think, what, God, what promises have you made me and how have I not been living in a place of trust or trying to do it on my own or trying to force things? Or Lord, when have I just gone in a completely different direction? When, where am I in my life? Am I, not, am I not trusting you to take me by the hand and lead me exactly where I know I should be or where you told me to be? I think... We can be broken up pretty neatly in two groups. That some of us have no promises from the Lord because we've never stopped and said, Lord, you get to have every say of my life. Or Lord, what do you want out of me? What have you made me to do? What am I supposed to fill my days with? Every, all of these questions, Lord. We have no promises because we've never gone to him. We've never learned to go to him. We've never been told that God has promises for us. And so for you, God has promises for you. We need to be in this relationship, just like Abram was, to be able to talk with the Lord and, and hear what he says, because he has promises for you. And some of us don't have promises for the Lord because we have too many plans for ourselves. We don't let God speak into our life because we know where, we're, where we want to go and we have every step planned out along the way. This needs to happen by the, by the time I'm 30. By the time I'm 35, I'm supposed to have a million dollars. By the time I'm 40, I'm supposed to own my own home and be a VP in my company. Or by this time, I need to get rid of this thing in my life because it's been here too long. I need to get rid of this actually right now. And so I'm off on my own journey. But I think what he's teaching us through Abram, through Genesis 15, is that we need to... Take him by the hand and say, God, you know what? You're the one who sees, and so you guide me. Take me wherever you need me to go. And say, Lord, 
part of my foundation with you is that I'm going to trust you. No matter what comes, I'm going to trust you. No matter if there's nothing in my life that points to your faithfulness and your trustworthiness, I'm going to say, you know what, God has made me promises to lean back on, and so I'm going to wait for him a bit longer. Or I'm not going to let go of him. I'm going to continue to take him by the hand and say, Lord, take me wherever you want to take me. And so City Life Church, for us as a church, God has put us on mission for this city. And a lot of those missions, especially after this year, seem out of reach and too big for us. But we have to say, Lord, give us even bolder vision. Give us even bolder promises. Because we know that if you're behind them, Lord, nothing will stand in our way. I have no idea how these things are going to happen. I have no idea how in 2021 we're going to evangelize to non-believers. I have no idea, though I have some plans, but I have no idea how we're going to see X happen. I have no idea how you're going to make this come, but Lord, I trust you because you've told me it's going to come. And so church, here are some prompt questions for us to continue to digest what he's calling us towards, how we're supposed to live this life of trust with him. Prompt question number one. Do you know what God has promised you in life? Do you know as, as a member of his family what God says to you? Do you also know what specifically God has made you for, or what he's told you to do in this world? Or what seems too crazy for you to even wonder and believe in, but he has told you it's going to come true, and so you need to hold on to? What promises has, has God made for you? Prompt question number two. Do you trust in God? Simple question. Question that we can all lie our way through. But if you were to really be honest with yourself, is an underlying part of your relationship with the Lord that you trust Him no matter what? We'll never be perfect. But just like Abram, we can become people who regularly say yes to whatever God's telling us to do. Prompt question number three. What rivers do you rely on more than God? What things, natural abilities, or things in your life or resources that you have do you lean on more than actually going to God, having a relationship with Him, counting on Him to come through? What rivers, resources, talents, abilities, money, jobs, status do you say do you actually live in more trust in than the things that seem too good to happen, but God has promised you? All right, church, let's, let's, today we're actually going to be taking communion together, going on one Zoom call with one another. We have a guest today that I'm so excited from New City Kids to come and talk to us and let us know how we can be financially giving and also mentoring kids, incredible kids in our city. Let's jump on this call. Please, everyone come. We want to take communion. Start the year off right in communion with the Lord and with one another to hear about amazing things that are happening in our city. So join us on the call. The link will be right here in the chat. Join us. We love you. Can't wait to be together. Happy New Year. I'll talk to you soon.